T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Ignition and liftoff of Ares 1X. Once again, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., it's time for us to talk a little music on Underground Opolis. So here we are. I got a few just real quick announcements. I've been trying to meet this guest for, I don't know, going on at least two years, if not three. <laughs> like every time, every time I passed through Knoxville, he had to go to Atlanta or something. Or every time he played in Louisville, I had a show scheduled that night. We just kept missing each other. This is our first time formally talking, and I'm really, really excited because <laughs> we've talked a lot on Messenger and stuff and Facebook. <laughs> this will be our first actual conversation. It's still not the same as being in person, but it's good. But I'm sure that will happen one day. I have no doubts. All right, first couple little announcements. I'm just going to announce a few shows. Up in Fairfield, Ohio, this Thursday, March 3rd, Punkerton Records presents Bastard Sons with Sepia Heyday and Van Taco at Swine City Brewing. Eight show starts at 8 p.m., $10 at the door, $10 for three bands. That's pretty sick, especially with these bands. These are really good bands, and they'll probably they'll probably be eventually be a Punkerton Records segment on this show man look at my face let me turn that off see if that helps no oh well i'll just look funny and and friday gravely brewing company 7 to 11 nectar valley with lonesome holler Another couple of great bands there. 514 Baxter Avenue here in Louisville, Kentucky. And also on Friday. I'm sorry, that, that show is on Saturday. My bad. I could the fifth. It's on the fifth. Friday. The Roast War Championship. Local comedians get up there and bash each other in a steel cage at 21st in Germantown. You know what? I got I got some pretty good ties with that place. But and there's several comedians that are going to duke it out, but um, the main event for me personally is Aaron Doodledaddle versus Uncool Randy. Of course, Uncool Randy has helped me write songs. So some of the funny songs I do, he's helped me write that. And 
Aaron is on Yeehaw, which is a really good, funny show. It's kind of based off Yeehaw. It, they're both really great people, and I'm really, really excited to see them duke it out. All right, we'll just go move right on. We'll bring on our guest, Mike Billups, Knoxville, Tennessee. Plays the band Reckless Threat. I also have the Shitters Full Christmas compilation, which I just dropped behind the stereo. Just not even an hour ago, so I'm going to have to move the whole desk and the stereo and everything to get it out of there. So I'm not going to, but it, but it was in the it was in the slideshow video. I made sure to get a picture of it just to show off that yes, I do have these records. <laughs> anyway, he is also the Coffin Curse CEO. I guess would be his title. We'll ask him. We'll just we'll just ask him. Let's bring him on. Hey, hey, <laughs> what's up, Rob? <laughs> What would be your title? Just owner? CEO? What? Yeah, yeah, I would just call myself the owner. <laughs> Keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll not too flashy. Out. We'll start out with the easy questions. How did how did Reckless Threat come together? So, uh I was I've been doing this playing drums and bands since about 1999 and uh, in 2003, I believe, maybe 2002. I joined a band called the Heartbreak Kids when I was still living in West Virginia. Uh, that band needed a drummer, and I joined that band. And we were around for a few years, ended up changing our name to Darling Articles. And probably stayed a band for about four years. But the singer, guitar player, songwriter for that band, the Heartbreak Kids, <clears throat> excuse me, he and I stayed friends. And uh, after, even though our bands broke up in, in the early 2000s, Around 2012, I'd been through a bunch of bands, and I was trying to settle down. My wife and I were uh, getting ready to move here to Knoxville, and uh, Ryan and I, the, the singer guitar player from that band, he and I got back together and did a rock and roll band called Shakedown Boulevard. We did that for about a year, and then he joined the military, and that kind of uh, split us up. So from 2012, whenever I moved to Knoxville, from 2012 to 2018, I wasn't in a band. It was the longest stretch of my life, and I wasn't in a band. And then he just randomly got a job here after getting out of the military. He spent six years in the Army Reserves, I believe, or whatever that's called. He spent six years in the military, and whenever he got out, he got a job um, in Columbus, Ohio, at, at uh, the Ohio State Medical Center. And then he had an opportunity to come to Knoxville and work at a hospital here. And when he came here, I was just like, well, we've got to start a band, but if I'm going to do a band, I want to be in a punk band. So in 2018, we started Reckless Threat as just something to do, really. Um, I, he hadn't been in a band in nine years, and I hadn't been in a band in eight years. We just wanted to be in a punk band. Again. Awesome. Yeah, that Shakedown Boulevard CD, was a that's a great album. <laughs> you said that to me, and I listened to it in the car. It's still in the car, as a matter of fact. I was, I was like, man, this is really great. What happened to this band? I guess that explains it right there. It's yeah. a military thing. We, we were a band for less than a year, played four shows, spent $18,000 recording that record, pressed 1,000 CDs, played a CD release show, then played a farewell show. I still have over 700 of those CDs in my in the room to the left of me. So if anybody wants to shake down Boulevard CD, just jump in my DMs. I'll mail you one. I got a shit ton of them. <laughs> I give that them away for free with every order. That seems to happen with the running the record company. I a guy I'm working with in a band now, he 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 ran a record company. He ran Black and Blue Records, and 
I guess he still kind of does, but I think he's leaving, moving on to something else, which which produced the Gigi Allen albums. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he, he's like, it's so hard because he did it back in the day. You know, he's like, it's so hard. You wind up with rooms and rooms and rooms filled with bands break up and stuff. Rooms, are, you know, just albums collect everywhere, collecting dust. Yeah. And it, especially vinyl now because vinyl so expensive. And it's yeah. So, it's so hard to get. There's only so many companies making it. Oh yeah. That's why pe- people don't when they look at a, they look at a band's album and say, "Oh, they want twenty five bucks for this vinyl." Uh, it's like, yeah, it's expensive. They're probably selling it at a loss. <laughs> yeah, they, we we want twenty five for it. Well, we paid twenty four seventy five. Exactly. <laughs> that quarter profit. Oh, then we got to ship it. <laughs> it's definitely a, a, a an act of kindness on our end. The uh, the bands and labels of the world in 2022. We're definitely yeah. working on a shoestring budget and a and a whim and a dream. <laughs> well, is is making cassettes expensive now too? Cassettes aren't bad. They don't sell very well. It's it's really hard to sell cassettes because they're very niche. But they're cheap. I mean, you can get 100 cassettes for about 300 bucks. Wow. Whereas 100 <laughs> units of a 12 inch um, album, depending on your how big you go with colored records and, you know, how big the layout is. Even a black vinyl uh, LP with just a, a basic front and back cover will run you 1800 bucks for 100 units. Oh, yeah. So you're oh, talking yeah. about $1,500 less to get a run of tapes. And they're fun. Yeah, they are. Like, like I, I got this jam box here a few weeks ago at a flea market. It, it, I'm so proud of this thing. I try, I try to get it in every shot. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you awesome. can't see it right now. <laughs> it's, and I've had so much fun with you finding old, old cassettes and stuff. And it's just, it's. It, I've been buying more cassettes when I go to shows and stuff now, just because of that. Yeah. <laughs> but I also have a way to transcode them to, to digital. Yeah. My record yeah. player. So, that's awesome. Anyway, my wife, anyway, my wife anyway. just put. Sorry, my wife just put a wall. It's not. I'm not in, the, in my bedroom, but in my bedroom, she put a wall from floor to ceiling of uh, their, their spice rack shelves from Aldi, or not from Aldi, from uh, one of those stores. But they're little two dollar spice rack shelves, and they hold cassettes perfect. So I've got a wall from floor to ceiling of about eight different spice racks that hold about thirty cassettes per rack. And all but one of them's full, so my my tape collection is getting pretty heavy. I'm, I'm digging. Oh, I want one of the old '80s style that you got on the wall, the wooden ones. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're expensive. You can yeah, you know why they're expensive? Has anybody told you why they're so expensive? Why is that? They, record recording studios are using them for sound dampeners. So if you go to a studio and you look on the ceilings. You'll go into a studio like the studio, the Reckless Threat in Bristol, Tennessee, or Bristol, Virginia, the studio we record at. If you go in there, Mike, who owns Classic, if you look on the ceiling, he's got like about every five feet, he's got those. And I said, are those old 80s tape cassette like holders you mount on your wall? He's like, yeah, dude, perfect sound dampeners are super cheap. But I guess because they became such a niche thing, they're very expensive. You go on Amazon and buy new ones, they're like 60 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> which is like more than what I want to spend on. <laughs> yeah. But I guess they're really good for the sound um, dampening in, in uh, engineering rooms. All right. Now that I've told you that, you'll see it. 
<laughs> yeah, probably. You'll walk into a studio and be like, oh, my gosh. There they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, got off on a little tangent there, which is fine because I love listening to my guests talk. <laughs> Let's see. What would be your favorite show Reckless Thread has played? We played a really fun one last night. Uh, I was uh, hoping you'd say that. <laughs> yeah. Last night's show was great. We we did our uh, our release show for our new EP, Paradise End, and that was great. The, the the turnout was actually a lot better than what we expected, and it was weird. I, I told the guys in the band I was nervous to play a show for the first time. That it, it, probably first time I could remember back to where I was a kid playing my first handful of shows, and it was a big show for us. It's a, it was our release show our new record on our new record label home and, and we just really wanted to do well we and we did really well and so it was a great show i would say my favorite show that i've ever played was uh with this band would have been uh I, last night was great but there, there's some early shows that were bad that I, I i have fond memories of the early shows that was was just when i was the only remaining member of the band right now so the band at the beginning was me and other people, and we played some really, really bad shows. And I kind of like those shows the best. <laughs> you know, you know those, those those shows that you expect big things, and then six people show up and you get paid in pizza. I don't know. I like. I love those shows. <laughs> well, what would be your favorite bad show? That's one of my favorite uh, questions. <laughs> my favorite bad show, and, I, and this isn't me taking a dump on the on the venue. But this, the three people that are in Reckless Threat now, myself and Dylan and Forrest, uh, when we, th this lineup, when we became a three-piece, when Ryan left the band and uh, we, we, probably our first or second show as a three-piece, <clears throat> we played in um, North Carolina at a venue called Coyote Ugly. And the people at Coyote Ugly were great. The, the bands we played with were great. Um, everything about the show was great. But the venue was literally a, a double-wide trailer that was falling apart. And again, this is me, full disclosure, I am not taking a dump on the place. But walking on the stage, I was like, oh, man, my fat ass is going to fall through this stage. This is sketch. And it was the middle of August. It was hotter than hell. So it was a trip. Good show. There was a lot of people. There's nothing really negative to say about the show other than you just felt like you were in the middle of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie if a concert was happening in the middle of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. <laughs> so, but I might be burying myself because that place still exists. They still host shows. I have friends' bands that have played there multiple times since then, and they might listen to this and never want to have us back. But I love the club. I would just like to see them find a new, uh, a new location. <laughs> Did it have tires on the roof by chance? <laughs> um, it had a lot of uh, nude women pictures, <laughs> and they 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 had us autograph the wall, which is pretty cool. I, I'm telling you, there's been a, a, at least five thousand bands play there just for the the amount of autographs that are on the wall. So definitely an interesting spot. Let's. Since it is my show, I get to talk about my favorite song, which does happen to be Paradise Inn. And, that's, and I've loved it ever since I got, got the split here. <laughs> Thank you. So, tell, us about, tell us about Paradise Inn. The song itself, it's, uh, it's the oldest song on, on, on the EP that we put out yesterday. 
that song, the EP's called Paradise Sin, but the song itself, we wrote it probably two, two or three months before Ryan left the band. So that was written at, early on when the band was a four-piece. And uh, I hate to be the one to even talk about the song because Dylan and Forrest write all the lyrical content for the songs. And we'll get together as a band and piece together the music. But Dylan or Forrest will come to, to practice with an idea and then we'll, we'll make it a song in, in the practice space. But those guys write all the lyrics and the song itself, I, I hate to say, I, I don't really know that I know what the lyrical content's about because I've never sat down with Dylan and asked him what the song really means lyrically. But I, I can answer honestly that that song, on the, on the six songs that are on that EP, it's, the, it's probably about a year old. So it's the oldest song on, on the, the record. And there's actually some songs that are a little bit older than that song that are going to be on our next LP that'll come out probably about a year that we didn't we didn't record for this EP just because we thought these six songs are a little bit stronger at the time. But uh, the song it's heavy. It's it's our one of our it's definitely our heaviest song we've ever written. We have some heavier songs now that no one's heard. Um, our, our band's definitely taking a, a musical change. We kind of dropped the, the poppiness and got a little bit more um, melodic hardcore with this record and moving forward we're definitely we're definitely going to be uh, surprising some people because uh, I've already got in the last two days people saying man I thought you guys were a pop punk band this is not what I remember you guys being but you know how you've been in bands when you lose members things just change and, and the, the three of us we just were writing the music that we want to play and this is just it's heavier it's more aggressive and it's the paradise end is is the fastest most aggressive song we've written so far that's been recorded i like that song a lot man i do thank you well let me ask you this which one's the most fun to play live right now for you especially as a driver That one is a lot of fun to play live. I really like to play uh, the song that we open our set with is also on this new EP. It's a song called Teen Angst. It's track number two on the EP, but it's the one we, for the last six months, it's the one we've been opening with. And it's, it's definitely my, my favorite song to play live. The, the drums are, uh, are really, it's an easy drum part, which I'm not afraid to admit that I enjoy playing easy. I'm 41 years old and, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I, I don't mind to sit back and enjoy myself. So it's an enjoyable song to play. It's, it's not technically uh, too uh, advanced, and I can just kind of enjoy it and really bob my head along and have a good time with it. But it's a fun, catchy song for being a little heavier. Would you say you prefer the studio or the stage? <sighs> I, I hate to answer that question because it's going to sound really negative. I hate the recording studio. <laughs> I, I love, I love, I love writing and recording new music. I hate the process. I, I am a deer in the headlights, um, white knuckle recording guy. I, I go in. The joke is um, one. I, the joke is that everybody calls me one take Mike because I strive to do my parts in one take, and it's not because I'm that good. It's because I stress out. I get in. I start pouring sweat before we've even cut a track, and I just want to take. I just want to be perfect. Do it in one take and move on. Because man, I hate the recording studio. It's such a stressful situation for me. 
I don't know why. A lot of people stress out about life. I, I am so – I've played in front of, front of 5,000 people, and I've played in front of five people. And the live audience never stresses me out, but, my God, the recording studio makes me feel like I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, it does me too. <laughs> so, does. So you, you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah. Yeah. You got, got people that, oh, you got to do it again. I was why that was good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I'm, I like a producer who will just say, do you like it? Yes. All right. Next track. I mean, sometimes that's a bad thing because they just want to, a lot of guys just want to make their money and move on. But man, when you get those those producers or engineers that say, you know what, that was ninety nine percent perfect, but you were a little dragging on three seconds into four seconds. I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's punk rock. It doesn't need to be perfect. You're killing me. I always tell them I'm I'm okay with a little slop. <laughs> Amen. Agreed, one hundred percent. Who does your fantastic artwork? Uh, that is a uh, our friend. It's funny. His name is very hard to pronounce. He's from Sri Lanka. And his name is um, very long. Uh, long name. But he goes, he goes by, professionally goes by Judas Vigilante. So on Instagram, he's The Vigilante. If you search the vigilante, you'll find him. On Facebook, he's the Pizza Tannic Vigilante, and uh, we, uh, a friend of mine, real quick story, a friend of, friend of ours, Roger, who promotes shows here in Knoxville under the Black Hearts Productions banner. Excuse me. <clears throat> he uh, commissioned Judas to make a flyer for a show that actually got it was a benefit show for uh, human trafficking, and. It, it was during the pandemic, and it was one of the shows. One of, and you, I know you were dealing with this as well. One of the many shows that everybody had canceled, scheduled, canceled, scheduled. The show actually never happened. But Roger um, commissioned and paid fifty dollars for this amazing poster artwork for the show that never happened. And I just had it on my phone saved in my in, in my messages for about five months. And when the Heartbreak Kids record, when we were working on the Reckless Threat Heartbreak Kids record. I said, man, I want to get hold of this this guy and see how much he wants to charge. I, I assumed he was going to be thousands of dollars because his work's amazing. And his prices are incredibly, incredibly affordable. And I have used him for like six releases for Coffin Curse and now for two Reckless Threat covers. And the dude's great. He does stuff in 48 hours. And it's always, you never have to ask him for changes. You give him an idea, he works it out. It's always perfect. It's like he can read your mind. And he, really barely speaks English. <laughs> so it, it's, it's amazing how well he's able to transcribe our ideas and make them perfect. I love the Shitter's full album cover and the Heartbreak Kids album cover. I made sure to put that into the slideshow because that's a good cover too. And I like, I wanted to definitely ask that question. But he's done so much. Good, let me say this real quick, Rob. He's done so much good stuff. But if anybody's listening or watching this, listening to this, that wants to check out his work, the thing that I, I love everything Judas has done for me or us, but the thing that I've loved the most is we did a split. Coffin Cross did a split with Defiant State, which also a band from Kentucky, and a band from Virginia called Chupascabra. It was a split seven inch, and it was called uh, Bluegrass versus the Old Dominion. And Judas did that cover, and that's my favorite cover. If you Google Bluegrass versus the Old Dominion or just go to the Coffin Curse page, 
my gosh, that cover blew me away because it was so detailed. I mean, down to, I want this guy's face to be doing this. And I gave this guy a laundry list of stuff, and I was like, well, I finally got him on this one. He's going to need some liner notes. Two days later, sent it to me, and it was fucking perfect. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, this guy must be some kind of soothsayer to be able to figure out this stuff. <laughs> So how many how many bands are on the bands are just on the roster for Coffin Curse right now? Right now we have sixteen bands on the roster, and uh, of those bands we have six albums coming out between now and June. What made you decide to start this? Uh, the, the 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 quick story that I can give you because I'm a long winded guy is that Reckless Threat started in 2018. We put out our first EP and. Um, started getting a little traction locally and, and regionally we would play and, and, and do okay. And I, I thought, you know, we really need a label to look important. People think, I don't know, in 2020 or like this 2018, and today's day and day times, I don't know that you really need a record label to look important. But I thought that being the guy that I was, that was always on little record labels throughout my, my career in music. I thought, well, we just need a record label to look important. So we put out this this next record that's coming out. Rather than our EP being independent, let's let, let's make our own record label so we can put it out and look important. Make people think, oh, this band that's actually important. They're on a label. So because we wanted to book tours and travel, so I just made up Coffin Curse. Um, the name is kind of a silly story, but I made up the label as the means to release music for Reckless Threat. It was never meant to be anything more than my, my plan was I'm going to put out my band's records. If I do any side projects, which I knew I already had an idea for a hardcore band, which became Ghost Tamer. If I wanted to do any projects for myself, I would put out my own stuff and I would do some compilations just to be fun. But it was never meant to make money. It was never meant to lose money. It was never meant to do anything other than be a hobby. But then I had three awesome bands in year one. I had three awesome bands, one being as a friend from Tennessee, from Knoxville. The other being Sherwood from Tampa, Florida. And the third band was Rough Dreams, another Knoxville band that wanted me to put out their records. And it just blew up from there. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely wasn't meant to be more than just something for fun. Well, we're we're starting to run out of time here. You got anything you want to add before we wrap it up? I want to show you this. If you can see this on the camera, yeah. For this interview, yeah. sorry, I'm I'm really bad about this. So for the interview exclusively, my wife made this today. My wife's oh, very crafty. Gosh. This is just a glass. It's glass, and it's got a little bit of uh, some some type of booze in it. But she took our logo and had it um, used her cricket. If you're familiar with a cricket, uh-uh. she she made it's one of these machines that prints vinyl stickers. So, like, if you wanted a vinyl decal printed to put on, like, a kick drum for a, a, or just, like, on your guitar case or something. So, she buys these long sheets of vinyl, you put it in the computer, you print it out. So, this is just, well, I'm not really bad about finding the camera. So, this is just printed out vinyl. And so, she took our logo and put it on the cup for me. And when I woke up this morning, she gifted this to me and said, this is for your interview. So, you need to show it on the interview. She didn't say that, but I'm. Um, I'm showing it because she did a really kick-ass job. She's very, uh, yes, she did. <laughs> she's very crafty and good at what she does, but she's not for hire because she doesn't like to do things for other people. 
<laughs> that, that's that's my running joke. The the real the real reason that she's not for hire is we're both so damn busy. Yeah, I'm sure you got a day job. Everybody, people always think, "Oh, you got an album out. You must be making money." <laughs> yeah, you know that's not true. I work sixty <laughs> hours a week. I work sixty hours a week. I put uh, at least thirty hours a week into Coffin Curse, and at least twenty more hours a week into Reckless Threat. And, uh, and that's just that's just when we're not playing shows. If we're just practicing or working on flyers or you know all that stuff goes. Well, I'm going to put, we're going to watch the video that you sent me. Was that from yesterday? Uh, no, no, no. That, that video is actually something that we shot. Uh, our friend Rev, who's working on our music video. Uh, we'll have the music video out here uh, shortly. We shot uh, footage for it last night. But our friend Rev, who used to be in a band with a uh, four-star bass player, he works for uh, uh, a TV network here in Knoxville. And that was a little clip. From a on from a live stream concert we did back in August, it was an international thing. It was uh, our friends in Australia do this thing every year where they, ever since the pandemic started, for the last three years they've had this live stream concert where each year they won a Guinness Book World Record for the most live streams going on at one time. So we were the one of the bands from America that was being live streamed while there was bands from China, Japan, all over. I mean, it was forty eight different. Um, bands being streamed at the same time in like 16 different countries. So that this clip you're getting ready to show is one song from a 10 song live set that we did. Um, so when you asked me for a live clip, I was like, oh shit, I don't know what I have. So I took that 10 song live set and I, I, I just made a two minute little music video out of it with editing. And that's what took me so long yesterday getting it to you because I was <laughs> editing it in between our show. Yeah. <laughs> Initially, I was just going to send it to you, and then I decided I wanted to make it flashy and add the graininess and some elements to it. I want to thank you so much for giving me your time, man. And fantastic interview. This will be a great episode. And we'll start the video in three, two, one. <laughs>